The following message, entitled The True Christmas Spirit, Part 1 of the series, Christmas, was given by Bob Mundorf on the 13th of December, 2015. To learn more about our church, please visit sgcindianapa.org. Got a couple Christmas jokes for you to kick things off. All right, do you know who Santa's favorite singer is? Santa's favorite singer. Elphis Presley. (laughs) Do you know why Santa's little helper had to see the doctor? Because he had low elf esteem. Sorry, I, I love that noise. Ah, because I love corny jokes. And I don't care if you don't laugh as long as I get that noise. One more. This is my favorite. What did Adam say to his wife on the day before Christmas? Nope. He said, It's Christmas Eve. Thank you. All right, well, 12 days till Christmas, I think. If I counted right, there's only 12 more days, so it's coming up quick. Are you feeling the Christmas spirit? I don't know what that means. That's, I always get confused when people talk about the spirit of Christmas or the Christmas spirit. I'm not sure what it means. Think about it. Like how, how would you define that? Maybe it's because it has the word spirit in it, I'm just not sure. I told Mark I was doing a message uh, to kick off our Christmas messages on the true Christmas spirit. And he said, well, which one are you talking about? The, Christmas, the spirit of Christmas past, present, or future? It's just hard to pinpoint. It's very ambiguous what that might mean. You might, you might think that when the Christmas music starts playing or you see presents under the tree... Um, beautiful lights outside, wreaths, decorations, that that is the Christmas spirit. Um, it's different for different people. It could, be, it could be like a scene like this peaceful Christmas scene up here. That might be the Christmas spirit or put you in the Christmas spirit. Maybe it's waking up before everyone else on Christmas morning and looking out the window to a fresh white blanket of snow. Although I'm not sure we're going to have that this year. Um, and parents are probably thinking, did he say wake up before everyone else on Christmas morning? Because that doesn't happen. Kids are always up before us. It could be, uh, if you're from where I come from, you could uh, celebrate or display your Christmas spirit like this guy that we have a slide of, I think. Yeah. That's, that's Christmas spirit in Bolivar right there. Get your mounted deer, your four-wheeler, dress up like Santa. If you had a camo sleigh, that would be even better. Maybe you start to get your Christmas spirit on when the, the Christmas shows come on TV, like It's a Wonderful Life. Or my personal favorite is um, the Rudolph Christmas special with Burl Ives. I love that. I think I've watched it every year since I was little. Love that one. It might just be um, sitting around the table of snacks and talking with family about great Christmas memories. That might be Christmas spirit to some of you. I remember one time my Aunt Sandy, we were doing that. We were talking about Christmas memories and 
and she told me about a time when her son Danny was six years old. He snuck downstairs in the middle of the night on Christmas Eve and uh, took some paper and a magic marker and replaced the tags on every Christmas gift to read from Santa to Danny. (laughs) What is Christmas spirit? It's unclear. We, We don't really know what it is. But... I'm hoping that this morning, through looking at a a couple of passages in God's Word, we can all get on the same page as to what, what God would define as Christmas spirit, what true Christmas spirit is. And although Christmas time is a great opportunity to have this kind of Christmas spirit that we're going to talk about, really it's for all throughout the year. We're going to see, as we look at 1 John chapter 4, verses 1 and 2 a little bit later, that the real meaning of Christmas expressing and confessing Jesus Christ. And that, as we sang this morning, that God became a man to save His people is the true spirit of Christmas. And we never want to lose that in all of the different distractions that come at Christmas time. That is the true spirit of Christmas. So the two simple things that I believe God wants us to get out of this message this morning is, number one, as we look at this passage, to get us all on the same page, as to what the true spirit of Christmas is, and number two, that we would take it back, that we would put Christ back in Christmas and express the true spirit of Christmas. So turn in your Bible, if you would like to, to uh, 1 John chapter 4, or you can just follow along up here on the screen in a couple of minutes. And uh, let me just lead us in prayer before we get started. Father, we pray that You would help us to hear and understand Your Word, Lord. We are dependent upon Your grace to have any success in understanding Your Word, accepting Your Word, and living out Your Word. So we, we're dependent on You, Lord. We ask You to reestablish the truth of Your Spirit in us this morning through this great passage of Scripture. And fill us with Your Spirit so that we won't shy away from talking about Jesus and Him coming on this rescue mission this Christmas. Lord, give us all the desire in our hearts to point other people to that truth. And we pray that we would have courage and excitement to hold the light of Jesus out to others this season. We want to see His power and grace working and changing people's lives. So we pray that this Christmas season we would have many, many opportunities to do that. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, as I read these three verses... In, Mark, uh, in 1 John chapter 4. See if you can identify the, the one clear mark of truth, the one clear mark of truth that God's Spirit sets apart from all others. Okay? So we'll read 1 John 4, 1 through 3, and you look for that. Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist which you heard was coming and is now in the world already. So what, what was it? What was the this of verse 2? By this, you know the Spirit of God. What is it? 
Every spirit that confesses, there's an action word, confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh. By this, you know the Spirit of God. That's the mark of the Spirit of God that is set apart from all other spirits in the world. Now, at first glance, you might think, this doesn't sound like a a Christmas verse. I've never heard this in a Christmas sermon. But really, it is. Look what the confession is again in verse 2. The confession in verse 2, every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh. Jesus Christ has come in the flesh. Isn't that what Christmas is all about? That's the meaning of Christmas. That's what we were singing about this morning. That Jesus Christ, who is God, the Son of God, has come in the flesh. He became a man to come on this rescue mission to save His people from their sin. So this is absolutely a Christmas verse, even though we might not be used to thinking of it in that way. I've heard people say, someone has said, well, the word Christmas isn't in the Bible. So... Christmas isn't really biblical. Well, it's true that the word Christmas isn't in the Bible. But just because that word isn't in the Bible doesn't mean it's not a biblical idea. It's definitely a biblical idea because the birth of Christ is very biblical, right? The birth of Christ is what we're talking about when we use the word Christmas. At least it should be. And that's the point of this message. Let's just take a minute to look at this word. This word Christmas. I found this very fascinating and I think you will too. Christmas is made up of two words. The word Christ plus the word Mass. And really, when we understand what this word means, it means Christ sent on a mission. Let's just start with the word Christ. Christ is not the name for Jesus. Jesus is His name. Jesus is the name of the man who was born 2,000 years ago that lived in Nazareth. That's his human name. Christ is his title. Many times you don't see it all the time in the, in the Scriptures, but it's there in the original text. Christ, most of the time, has the word the in front of it. It speaks of the Christ. The Christ is a title, and it's just the Greek way of saying the word Messiah from the Hebrew language of the Old Testament. So Christ means the Messiah. And the the Messiah is the one whom the Old Testament had predicted would come to save this messed up world and to save the individuals who would believe in Him and to rule over this world one day. Christ in the Old Testament was God the Son, the Son of God, who would come as a man to do that. The Messiah was. And that's what the word Christ means. So... When we look at the word Christmas, the first thing we see is the word Christ. Christ. Christmas is all about Christ. I was just talking to uh, Mike Baker this morning, and he said they had a bring Christ back into Christmas uh, event at the the courthouse. That's what Christmas, that's who Christmas is all about. And so we, we understand that. We get the word Christ. But this is fascinating. The second word, the word Mass, it comes from the Latin word Misa. The Latin word misa means to be sent on a mission. So think of this. The word Christmas means Christ who was sent on a mission. We don't think of it that way many times. And probably most of the people in the world don't really think of Christmas that way. 
But that's what Christmas is all about. When Christ the Messiah, the Son of God, became a man to be sent on a mission to save us from the consequences of our sins. That's what Christmas is all about. And that's what Christmas means, and we need to understand that, first of all, so that we can then confess and express the true spirit of Christmas. Much of the world has forgotten this. Now, go back and look at our verses again in 1 John. 1 John chapter 4, verses 1 and 2. Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. Here's what this is saying. This is saying that there are a lot of spirits in the world. A lot of spirits in this world. We can't see them. We're told many times in the Scriptures that they're there. Ephesians chapter 6 tells us to put on the armor of God because we need to stand strong against those spiritual powers in the heavenly places. 1 John chapter 4 tells us there are spirits in this world and, and that Satan is the, their God, the God of the spirits of this world. And they are out to influence us in any way they can. That's what they do. They influence us. And that's why people who speak from different sources and different philosophies that, that aren't Christian... They're, they're influenced by those spirits. But not only are people speaking from maybe other religions influenced by those spirits, but those spirits can even have an influence on us as Christians to draw us away from Jesus Christ being the true meaning of Christmas. And that's what they do. Ephesians 6 tells us as Christians that's why we need to stand firm in Christ's power and put on His armor because they're trying to influence us, to distract us and draw us away from Jesus Christ. 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1 tells us that there are demons and deceitful spirits in this world who will influence and draw even Christians away from the truth of Jesus Christ. But that can happen to us in, in small ways too. Think about it. Hebrews 12, 2 tells us that we're to run this race keeping our eyes on Jesus Christ. But every single time you or I get distracted from Him with the things of the world, we're drawn away and distracted. And that can happen by spiritual influences. So we are in a spiritual battle. Peter tells us that Satan roams around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour, and he's telling Christians this. Now, how does he devour us? How does he devour us? You might think, well, he devours us by destroying us. And that's true. But you know, Satan's tactic, his game plan in devouring us isn't always mass destruction like we think of it. Most of the time, it's not mass destruction. It's mass distraction. He destroys us by distracting us from the truth of Jesus Christ. That's what He wants to do. And that's why we have to continually recalibrate our focus on the Lord. He has the whole world at hand to do this with. And it comes a lot of times at Christmas, at Christmas time. You see this very clearly. 
how he seeks to distract us, how he seeks to take Christ out of the focus at Christmas time. He does it in a number of ways, even subtle ways that many of you have probably noticed. Um, you, you hear a lot of times now, um, probably for the last 15, 20 years, you hear a lot of times people will not say Merry Christmas anymore. They'll say Happy Holidays or Season's Greetings. And you might have to say that you're, because of your employer. They might tell you you have to say that. You can't say Merry Christmas. But it sure seems like with this movement, there's something behind the scenes trying to push Christ out of the center, out of the center stage, out of, out of our focus. And it could be that even those small kinds of things are influences brought on by spirits who want to distract us from Jesus Christ. And so, it's, it's, you might call it the spirit of political correctness. I don't, I don't know. But I think there are behind-the-scenes influences. Pretty soon, um, it'll get to the point where people will say, happy whatever day doesn't offend you. <laughs> and maybe we should just say that, but I don't think that's what this Scripture is calling us to do. Because if we look at verse 2 again, the Scripture says, by this you know the Spirit of God. How do you know the Spirit of God is present? How do you know He's working? By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses Jesus Christ. See, there are spirits, spirits trying to silence us by guilt and shame and pressure. And I don't think God wants us to bend to those. I don't think God wants us to give in to those spirits. I think God wants us to go on the offensive. Not necessarily play defense and just kind of sit back and defend everything, but go on the offensive when it comes to proclaiming the truth about Jesus Christ because that news is the greatest weapon we have. The, the Bible says that the gospel of Jesus Christ is the power of God unto salvation for all who believe. We have power in that testimony, in that confession. And it tells us in this verse we're looking at, that's how we know the Spirit of God. Do you want to know how you are being used by God's Spirit? Do you want a little bit of a test to see? It's are you expressing and confessing the true reason for Christmas? And are you not, not doing it just at Christmas, but throughout the year? That's what God's calling us to do. Now, uh, I found this, this card, if you, want a, if you want a non-offensive and politically correct Christmas card, that would uh, be aligned with the way that these spirits are working. And it just says, acknowledging that you have an adequate non-denominational wintertime goings-on and an acceptable resolution to your calendar system of choice. That would be a good non-offensive card if you don't want to express and confess the spirit, the true spirit of Christmas. But I don't think that we should let that spirit be silenced with things like this. The spirit of Christmas, expressing the truth about Jesus Christ, may be offensive to people. But this is how we know the Spirit of God. So we need to confess this. And I'm not telling you to do it in an offensive way. I'm just saying God wants us to express and confess this. I believe that that's what this verse is telling us. All right, so just uh, kind of watering it down would be one distraction method that these other spirits are trying to do to silence this truth. But you know another one? Another one that really gets us at Christmas time, and I think most of us know this, is busyness, isn't it? We get busy. We get too busy 
to really remember why we celebrate this holiday, why we celebrate Christmas. Just busy with all kinds of things, whether it's buying gifts or, uh, you know, whatever to get ready for Christmas, getting ready for parties. And a lot of times in that busyness, we just lose it. We, we forget about it. We get distracted. And so I wonder if there aren't spirits just kind of influencing us in subtle ways to just, you got to do this, you got to do that. And sometimes I think, like Jesus said to Martha, only one thing is really necessary. Let's look at that passage in, uh, in the book of Luke, chapter 10, verses 40, and 40, 40 through 42. It says this, But Martha was distracted with all her preparations. Sounds familiar, right? Christmas time, preparations, distracting. And she came up to Jesus and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to do all the serving alone? Then tell her to help me. But the Lord answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and bothered about so many things. But only one thing is necessary. And that's, that should be our attitude during Christmas time. When we find ourselves being so busy with whatever it is, it might not even be Christmas things, it might just be life, we need to slow down and just remember, there is only one thing necessary, and that's our personal relationship with Jesus Christ and allowing Him to work His grace into us so that we can then express and confess His truth to the world. So these are just some ways that maybe these other spirits in these verses kind of try to draw us away from the true Spirit of God, the true Spirit of Christmas. Now let's go back again to our verse in 1 John 4. And look at verse 2. I want to show you something here. In verse 2. This is, like, this is the main verse for this message, 1 John 4, 2. It says, By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses, confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. Now, the word confess, just slow down and think about this word for a minute. If this is the verb in the sentence here that we're reading that marks the Spirit of God, that we want to do and have at Christmas time so that we are aligned with the Spirit of God, we need to know what this means. We can't just read over it. Confess means to audibly declare, to testify, to testify, to, to communicate. Put simply, this just means to talk about Jesus. That's what this means. To confess is to express what he's telling us here, that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh. And the great thing about Christmas time, the great thing about the next 12 days, maybe the whole month of December, is that people almost expect this in a way. This is, it's, we get kind of a free pass because most people, even though we talked about these spirits trying to push the true meaning of Christmas out, most people realize that Christmas is about Jesus Christ. And so... When we talk about this, when we do this, when we confess this truth this time of year, well, it might be a little more easily accepted by people. And so confessing is huge. 
there are so many ways to confess Jesus Christ. And I'm reminded even now as I speak that the book of James tells us that our tongue is like a rudder of a ship. Our tongue is powerful. When we confess, we speak. We use our tongue. We use our mouth. And if, the, if our tongue is like a rudder that can turn a whole ship, and if James says, if you can tame your tongue, you can tame your whole body, well, why not confess Jesus Christ to ourselves and to others because that could be a way to steer our lives into more of a Jesus Christ focus. I really believe it is. I really believe this, that if we, even when we don't feel like it, seek God's grace to, to confess Him to other people, talk about Him, that it really does steer your life more toward Him. And there are so many ways to do this. I mean, you can do it through social media. You can do it on Facebook. You can do it on Instagram, Twitter, any of these things. I mean, I want to encourage the teens who are maybe on Instagram or Twitter or whatever it is that you're using in social media to talk about in writing through social media Jesus Christ. To talk about. I wish I would have done that more as a teen. I, I ran into some folks from my high school recently who I found out were Christians in high school I didn't even know because I never really talked about Jesus. And so I, I want to encourage all of us, but especially the teens, to talk more about Jesus because He needs to be our identity. And the more we talk about Him and express and confess this truth about Him, the more He'll become your identity. So you can do it the old-fashioned way too, just with your mouth. You know, we can express Him and confess Him in many different ways. And I want to encourage all of us to do that. Now, if you don't know what to say, I mean, just talk about Him. But if you don't know what to say, our verse is really clear. It's, it's, it's the start. Uh, verse 2, Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh. I mean, you just talk about the fact that you're so glad that Jesus became a man so that He could die for you. People, a lot of unbelievers, they never heard that. We think, oh yeah, they know the gospel. The more I've been sharing the gospel with unbelievers, the more I've been finding out they didn't know that before. That's why the gospel is so powerful. It, this is the truth that saves people. So I want to encourage all of us, all through the year, but especially at Christmas time, because we're up against it now, confess Jesus Christ. Talk about Him. Let's just take a couple minutes to break this phrase down in verse 2 and just look at it a little more closely. Every spirit that confesses, here's the phrase, that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh. Okay, we talked about Jesus. We talked about how that word is Jesus, His earthly name. This is the name that means Savior that was given to Him as a man. We talked about Christ. We talked about how this is His title, and when we say this, this, uh, this statement, Jesus Christ has come in the flesh, we're saying this man named Jesus was the Christ, the Messiah, prophesied about in the Old Testament. Now, this word, these words, has come, I want to take a couple of minutes and uh, explain something here. It's very interesting when you understand what the original language that the Bible was written in actually means when, when it when it's translated, has come. The original word in, in Greek is erkomai, 
And erkomai, it doesn't mean like has come in the sense of, when we say, like if somebody had a baby, uh, just, you know, somebody has a baby and we say, oh, that, that baby has come into the world so cute. It's, well, when we say that, it, we just, the baby didn't really come from anywhere, right? We, we, you and I, before we, were, before we were conceived, we weren't anywhere. We, we were created out of nothing. But this isn't that word. This isn't the same word. It doesn't have the same meaning. Erkomai always means has come from one place into another. So there's a past. There's a history with this has come. It's not like Jesus was a regular little baby who was born and He just started then. That's the point here. Jesus has come from somewhere else. Well, where did He come from? Well, before He was born, He existed. That's the point. He existed, and actually we read about Him without even realizing it so many times in the Old Testament. Because see, Jesus said, Jesus said things like, before Abraham was, I am. And you know what he meant when he said that? That word, I am, if a Hebrew, a Jewish person heard that, they would have heard it like this. Before Abraham was, Yahweh. Meaning, I am Yahweh. That's what the word I am means. Yahweh is the name of God in the Old Testament. So, when we read about Yahweh in the Old Testament, when we read about the burning bush, God appearing as the burning bush, when we read about... God appearing as the pillar of smoke that led Israel, or the pillar of fire. When we read about these appearances of God in the Old Testament, you know who that was? That was Jesus. That's why they wanted to crucify Jesus, because He said that. And they picked up stones to throw at Him right there when He said that, because they knew what He meant. He's saying, I'm the God of the Old Testament. That's why we were singing this morning that God has become a man to rescue His people and save His people. See, this is all built into this little word, erkomai, and has come. But that's what this statement means. And a lot of people don't believe this. A lot of people who call themselves Christians don't believe this. There are cults who call themselves, they'll come knocking on your door and say, we're Christians. Well, they don't believe this. And the this, that Jesus was God who became a man, is the, the, the core of the Gospel message. This is what we have to believe. This is a part of what we have to believe to be saved. And that's why it's so important. And that's why we need to bring this back into Christmas because this is what Christmas is all about. We, uh, we read about this in First John, I mean in the Gospel of John, chapter one, verses one through three, where it says, "In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything that was made that was made." And then if we go to verse 14, where he's still talking about the Word. He says, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen His glory. Glory is of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. See, that Word is Jesus Christ. 
And it says in verse 1, Jesus Christ was God. And that that Word, God, became flesh and dwelt among us. See, when John says the Word became flesh, that's what we're talking about in our original verse. We're talking about God becoming something that He wasn't before. A man. Yet still remaining fully God while He was that man. So Jesus was fully man and fully God. Not 50-50. And that's why He could die to pay the penalty for our sins. So what's, what's Christmas all about? It's about Jesus becoming a man so that He could die to save us. That's the good news of Christmas. Christ sent on a mission. Now, this word confessing in our original verse, I want to encourage us with two, two things to do this in, in a way to do this confessing. One, confess this to yourself. I mean, yes, two is going to be confess it to others, but one, confess this to yourself. Listen, so often we forget about this and it just gets set on, on a shelf somewhere. But the whole idea here is to, to keep this at the center, to keep this at the forefront of our minds. And I'm telling you, when you do this, it will, it will really change your life. If you are consistently confessing this, and I'm talking about applying it to yourself. I'm not just talking about reciting this verse. But I'm talking about saying, Jesus died for me. Jesus died to forgive me of all of my sins, past, present, and future. I am forgiven. I am saved. Jesus is not going to count my sins against me. Not only that, but Jesus died to give me the power to live a new kind of life. Jesus died to give me the grace to overcome every temptation that I face and to get through every trial that I have to go through. I mean, these kinds of truth affirmations from Scripture when applied to ourselves, when we just say this to ourselves, is amazing. It's life-changing. Um, no one, somebody said one time, no one is more influential in your life than you because no one talks to you as much as you talk to yourself. And that's true. Think about it. Like I'm not talking about orally. I'm talking about like what's going on in your mind. Think about it. You talk to yourself all the time. All those thoughts that are going around in there. What if they were broadcasted and put on a speaker? I mean, would you want everybody to hear all the thoughts that went through your mind this morning? Probably not. But we need to be telling ourselves this kind of truth over and over again. So we confess it to ourselves. And secondly, we express and confess this to others. We've talked about how this is one of the greatest weapons that we have as Christians. Too many times, guys, we play, we play defensive Christianity. And what I mean by that is, it's like, listen, it's like, I've got I to gotta not do this. Oh, I can't do that. I don't want to listen to this. I don't want to look at that. I don't want to go there. That's bad. I'm staying away from that. That's defensive Christianity. Okay? And that might be okay if you're doing it in God's power. But here's what's going to... this Offensive Christianity is going to make... You have to play defense a lot less. And what I mean by that is 
being offensive, going out and sharing the Gospel, talking about Jesus Christ, confessing Him to yourself like we've talked about, um, just serving the Lord, making your identity known as a person who follows Jesus Christ. If you do that, if you're playing offense, if you're throwing that Gospel down the field, you're going to get many more yards than playing defense. I'm telling you, it works. It makes defense so much easier. You know what I'm saying? I don't know, if you're not a football fan, you might not, but you can ask a football fan. So, just remember that we have the greatest weapon in the message of Christmas. And when we express the true spirit of Christmas, we're going, it's going to do wonders for us in our Christian lives. You and I are billboards for Jesus Christ. We're not billboards for ourselves. We're made to be billboards for Jesus Christ. What are you saying on your billboard? What are you saying with your life? What are you saying with your mouth? What are you saying on social media? What are you saying everywhere? It's about Jesus Christ. It's not about us. He's the one that is going to change your life if you make your life about Him. Let's pray that God will influence us by His Spirit and really uh, just touch our hearts with this this morning. Father, we know that the Gospel is the power of God unto salvation for all who believe, but we know that, that Jesus Christ and Your Spirit is also the power to live this Christian life. So we pray, Father, that You would help us to understand this, that You would uh, help us to be bold for You. Thank You that You came as a man on this rescue mission, Jesus. Thank You for saving us from our sins. Fill us with Your Spirit that we wouldn't think so much about ourselves and about all the things we have to do but that we would be obsessed with You and that You would be really our life because that's where true joy is going to come from. We know it. We pray that You would convince us all of that. In Jesus' name, Amen.